0: Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage risk and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals.
1: I hope you're having a great weekend. We want to thank you, first of all, for joining us this fine Saturday. You can always catch us here on the weekend, but wanted to let you know you can also join Josh every Monday as well. He and Bruce Hooley talk money Mondays every Monday at 1230 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. Well, it was St. Patrick's Day this past week. Maybe you had a green beer or two or had the luck of the Irish. When it comes to luck, Josh... I think I know how you're going to answer this, but how much does luck play in having a successful retirement?
2: Well, I mean, luck is great, it's certainly not predictable. We've well, heard the term many, many times that, you know, I'd rather be lucky than good, right? But the reality is, you definitely don't want to rely or bet on luck for the future of your retirement. I mean, pr- retirement should be about enjoying the remainder of your life, not having to go to a job. It should not be about worrying, it should not be about crossing your fingers. It should not be about, you know, burying your head in the stand and just hoping for the best. It should be about a systematic approach of repeatable returns that are based and rooted in fact and history that we can count on. You don't want to worry about those things. And I think, you know, as we look at what's happening in the economy today, there's certainly a lot of people that are worried. Um, I'm having many more conversations that I've had than I've had in the last several years, of course, because we've just come off of a a very, very long, the longest bull run in the history of the stock market, arguably. Um, I'm starting to have conversations about, you know, what's next. And there's certainly a lot of trepidation in the market. You know, we're coming off of COVID. We have volatility in the market, and we have interest rates. And it looks like uh, we could potentially be headed towards uh, that dreaded, what we call stagflation. And stagflation is a period of time where inflation is going up, but the economy is actually shrinking or the economy is becoming less productive. And that is definitely recession. And that's a word that none of us want to hear. But the fact of the matter is, if you are retiring today, you're probably going to encounter more than just a couple of recessions for the remainder of your life. So you have to come up with a strategy to deal with those. And people are concerned about recessions because obviously, myself included, I don't want to see my money go from you know, a million dollars to $700,000 in a very short period of time that has some emotional toll. But if you view it as, uh, let's say a company, if I invested in a company, everybody that's listening right now would say, I know that if I'm, I I have my own company, there's going to be some years that are very, very good. There's going to be some years that are a little bit leaner, but over time, I'm going to grow my company. It's going to reward me. That risk of starting my own business is going to pay off. Well, investing in the stock market is very similar to that. There will be times where we are flushed with returns. There will be times when things are great. And we just experience that. There's going to be times where things aren't as good. And that's almost predictable. But over time, we will win. Well, I think what people are really concerned about, or what they should be concerned about, is the risk of sequencing of returns, or the risk of that volatility and how it impacts your ability to draw an income off of it. And that's where we cannot rely upon luck, we cannot just cross our fingers and say, I'm just going to hang in there and hope it all works out. You have to have a plan. You have to have a strategy to be able to offset that risk to make sure that your income is predictable in retirement. And that's really what the concept or the term of income, retirement income planning is. Not just investing, but how do I, re, how do I predictably cre- create tax-efficient retirement income that is not subject to market volatility in the short run, at least. And, and that's exactly what we do at Aptus Wealth Management.
1: And Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you take new clients through the Aptus Blueprint process. Let's talk about that.
2: Yeah, the Aptus Blueprint process is essentially trying to create that plan. So uh, it's a four-step process or a four-meeting process. And meeting number one, uh, we call it the discovery meeting. We're going to find out everything there is that we can possibly find out about your financial life. But even beyond your financial life, emotionally, how do you view money? How do you view retirement? How do you view things like volatility and taxes? And we're going to find out what you've been doing up to this point to try and achieve all of those goals. In meeting number two, we call the analysis meeting. We're going to show you if you continue doing what you're doing currently, here's the risks associated with it. Here's some potential changes that could be made. And here's whether or not your arrow is going to hit the target. What speed bumps could get in the way of that? In meeting number three, we address those. We call it the blueprint meeting, and it's a blueprint on purpose rather than just a plan. And we call it a blueprint because we're going to give you an actionable blueprint, an actual document of things that you can change to make sure your arrow does, in fact, hit the target. And then not until meeting number four, which we call the implementation meeting, we decide is working with us the best fit for us and the best fit for you for your financial future.
1: And let's say if someone's with a another financial advisor and they've been listening to you on the radio here for a while, you are open to just looking at people's plans as well to see if they're on the right track, just kind of giving them a second opinion.
2: You know, if you went to have surgery, a major surgery, almost everybody listening right now would say, I want to get a second opinion. And yet, for whatever reason, in our world, uh, in the financial planning world, oftentimes it doesn't happen. And I think getting that second opinion, if nothing else, will give you solidarity in knowing that what you're doing currently is is good. And I think oftentimes everybody listening is probably saying, well, of course they want to do that because they want to tell me what I'm doing wrong so that they can try and tell me that I should be working with them. Not always. I mean, there are some fundamental principles of investing that just make sense. And maybe you're working with somebody currently who's doing a great job. And how great would it be for you to be able to go back to them and say, you know, I had this look by, at, by somebody else. And thank you for what you've been doing up to this point. But the flip side could also be true, Diane, and that is how unfortunate would it be if you don't get a second opinion and you spend the next 10 years, the the most, you know, savings time of your life is typically the last 10 years of your working years before you retire. And you did those futilely because you didn't have the proper plan in place. And then fast forward, you're 80 years old and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do because you just ran out of money. So a second opinion can be critical.
1: Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. And this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Peck. So I'm still going to stick with luck here. Like, because maybe a friend of mine needs that in order to retire successfully. <laughs> but if someone wins a lottery or they hit a jackpot at the casino or let's say they even get a huge inheritance, what is the first thing that a person should do other other than call you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think first thing is slow down. Take your time. Don't hurry. You know, we see this with inheritance in particular. We see it with, like you said, like a windfall type scenario is people can get a large chunk of money, maybe even more than they've ever seen before. So you know, let's, let's use the lottery as an example. You know, I make $50,000 a year and all of a sudden I have a million dollars dropped into my lap. And the last thing that I wanna do is do something terrible with it. I certainly don't wanna lose it. I certainly don't wanna blow through it. I know that I wanna do the right thing moving forward. That does not mean the right thing means do something right now with the first person they chat with. Slow down, take your time. And then understand that this is going to be a very emotional decision whether you think it is or not. Money is a very emotional thing. So you don't want to start going, well, you know, I would would just feel better if. Be pragmatic about it. Recognize that if you get a million dollars, it's okay to spend some of it, but set a threshold. I'm going to spend X and I'm going to save the rest and I'm going to develop a plan with a professional to do so. And how do you develop that plan? Well, the first thing is establish a goal for the money. So with this money, I am going to dedicate X amount towards my kid's education. I'm going to dedicate X amount towards my retirement. I'm going to pay off the house. There's a lot of things, obviously, you could do with this windfall. But once you've understood what your goals are, then you sit some with down with somebody like me and determine, are all of these goals realistic? But then also, in what order should I go after these goals? What What is my kind of pecking order of attacking them? And then do they make sense? Should I pay off my house? Or does it make more sense for me to invest it because maybe I'm getting tax benefits or the interest rate is incredibly low? Or there's a myriad of reasons why you might want to do that. Now, the flip side is oftentimes people automatically go, would well, be foolish for me to pay off my house. Maybe not. Maybe you should, in fact, pay off your house. But make sure that those goals are what drive your ultimate Uh, plan your ultimate blueprint your ultimate decisions and then once you establish that let's be honest with ourselves as well I mean quite frankly if you're 60 years old and you've made a great living for your entire career and you still don't have any money saved chances are and I hate to bring it up you probably haven't been that good with money up to this point in your life and chances are there was always something that you could have spent it on that was necessary quote-unquote rather than paying yourself first and saving money. So for some of those folks, it makes sense to simply set up a pension plan, essentially. And that is at a certain date, this money is no longer mine, and at a certain date, it's going to kick out X amount of money for the rest of my life. For others, um, you know, the plan could be completely different. So it's important to take your time, be realistic, plan, but then also have a heart-to-heart with yourself and understand what you think you're going to be able to do in sticking with that plan so you don't burn through the money.
1: Have you seen the documentary, I think, or or there was a movie about all the lottery winners that ended up broke?
2: Oh, I mean, I think the statistic the last time I saw was something like 18 to 24 months, no matter the lottery winning, meaning whether you won two grand or 200 million, you're broke. And I can tell you, you know, I've had several scenarios in my office where I've had lottery winners, uh, some from famous game shows that you would know and lottery winners in the way of inheritances that were completely unforeseen. And I can tell you that the biggest problem is not taking your time, not pushing the pause button, and not recognizing what that dollar amount actually means. You know, people who have never made a lot of money or never invested on their own, when you say the word $500,000, it seems like, well, I'm rich and I can spend as much as I want. The reality is you can't. And you'll peel through it very quickly. And I can tell you from experience that there is nothing worse than being broke other than being broke and then being what you perceive as rich to going back to broke again after living a lavish lifestyle for a few years. So I really feel for those lottery winners um, because it's a it's a terrible roller coaster ride to ride.
1: And I also remember a lottery winner I also remember another lottery winner. He didn't touch any of the money. He invested it, and then he was going to invest it for two years and then just live off the interest.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a tremendous idea. But, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that you can really handle that. And, you know, I think the point is take your time. You know, if you get $10 million sat in your lap and you just put it in the bank and do nothing with it for a year, I mean, the worst case scenario is, sure, has it been affected by the erosion of inflation over over that year? Absolutely. But you can make far worse decisions than just pushing the pause button for a year, letting it sink in, spend the time to investigate what are my options? Who should I work with? Who's the right person? Um, What are my goals? Let me really think about this. Let me marinate on this for a little bit rather than just going, I'm rich. I'm going to spend this, invest this, because I promise you there's plenty, plenty of people that will be more than happy to not give you any planning whatsoever and just invest your money for you. But that's not the right decision for you. So just take your time and make sure you make the right decision.
1: And don't tell anybody. That you won the money. <laughs> uh,
2: that's probably the best recommendation that we've given in this last five or six minutes. Yes. right. Try and avoid letting people know.
1: Yeah. Just schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process once you have won your millions. Uh, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Join Josh as he Talks Retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 1230 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find that recording at AptusWealth.com. More with Josh. Pick when we come back.
0: We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer.
3: To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614 364 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com
0: thanks for listening to the aptus retirement blueprint radio show with josh pick to schedule your complimentary customized planning session give josh a call at 614-364-7300 that's 614-364-7300
1: Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. We're paying more for everything, Josh, gas, homes, cars. Where are we seeing the most shocking increases?
2: Well, I think you might have just hit them right on the head. I mean, if you look (laughs) at commodity prices, you know, in general, you look at gas and you look at the price of, you know, gold, for example, or you look at any supply chain issue, all of those real assets and commodities are up dramatically. Um, I would say gas being probably the the biggest one. If you look at, you know, what people are paying in gas now uh, versus, you know, a year ago, you know, gas is up easily 30% plus. If you think about cars, you know, the vehicle motor parts, are up you know, in the teens. So all of these things are kind of being absorbed in the supply chain. And then you go, well, what about you know, uh, car payments? Well, car payments are up about 50 bucks a month versus a year ago, even on leases. So uh, and I think the startling thing is the average, I saw a statistic that the average monthly lease payment, and remember, when you lease a car, It's because the payment is cheaper than buying the car. That's why you lease it. I want to have a new car all the time, but rather than buy it, I can get it cheaper if I lease it. The average lease in the United States climbed to $560 a month. Now, if we think about that, and we say that the average family is making approximately $80,000 in the U.S., approximately, across the country, and that's a family of four. So you have two people living in that home, and the average home here around this area has obviously gone up exponentially. You know, our office is in Lewis Center. I did a kind of a, a search just the other day with a client in my office, and I said, I wonder what the cheapest house is that I can find for sale in Lewis Center. Just any house, doesn't matter. And it was well over $300,000. So you have a home where interest rates are now particular, potentially climbing. You have a payment on a home that's, you know, in the thousands, plural of dollars. You have two cars that are potentially over a thousand or probably over a thousand dollars a month. The pinch to middle America is certainly being felt. And again, I, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, one of the biggest concerns is this concept of stagflation. And just to kind of hit on that again, stagflation is a period of time where inflation is climbing, but the economy as a whole is shrinking. Meaning The output that the United States puts out, we track in GDP, so our gross domestic product. How much are we making as a country? In a period of time where that is shrinking, but inflation is still going up, that's very challenging. And if you look historically, you'd say, what is a period of of stagflation? Think of the early to mid-70s was a period of historical stagflation. So I think you know, is the media sensationalizing this? They're sensationalizing everything. They're, you know, they're always searching for a crisis or something awful to talk about. But I think in this particular instance, um, they're right. Uh, you know, I mean, the, 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 the issue inflation is a, is a big, big problem. Um, fortunately, wages are climbing. But the concern is, how long can that continue? Right, Diane? How long can wages continue to keep up? And where is the top in other words, we look at gas prices over four bucks a gallon. I mean, are we are we going to be looking at five bucks a gallon in the next month? I, I, I don't know. Where are we? And unfortunately, the answer to that, as much as we hate to admit it, is going to be answered by what happens in Russia and Ukraine. What are they going to end up doing? That is a big supply chain issue. And it's one that you know we're going to have to tangle with. And it's one that the Fed's going to have to deal with as far as you know tightening money to supply to thwart inflation, but delicately doing that uh, to make sure that they don't exacerbate the problem in ukraine so it's going to be a, a very interesting tap dance to see over the coming year, two years to see how is handled what we did to ourselves by all of the stimulus printing of money and borrowing of money over the past two years uh, but you know i I hate to always talk negative challenges are always going to be in front of us with the economy, always. Sometimes we'll have a tailwind, sometimes we'll have a headwind, but it's important to note that there can always be improvements made. So there are things you can do during times like these with your money to best combat the problem. And my job is to help people position their money in ways that will best combat those problems. Give us a hint. Well, here's a perfect example. So, you know, we oftentimes think of stocks and bonds, right? I mean, we we invest in stocks, we invest in bonds. Now, typically we do that in the form of a mutual fund or ETFs or a separately managed account, but ultimately those are the two asset classes that most people focus on. But that is by no means all of the asset classes. Even within those asset classes, you have, you know, big stocks, little stocks, international stocks. You know, how is India going to fare versus China through all of this? It's an important distinction. How is the U.S. going to fare versus Europe? Important distinction. Um, how are big companies versus small companies, growth cur- companies versus value companies? There will be areas that do well and areas that do not nearly as well. But even beyond that, let's get past bonds, past stocks, past all those things. You can invest in commodities. And if you look at commodity prices, if you would have bought into oil or farmland or uh, real estate at the beginning of the year, you'd be very, very happy with your decision. You'd be up in double digits, uh, many double digits. If you had invested in gold at the beginning of the year, you know gold's up significantly versus the rest of the market for sure. The market's down, you know, double digits, and the, the bond market's down almost you know five percent. So, you know, there are areas of the market where you can add stability to pro- your portfolio, add growth, but also add kind of think of it as a hedge against some of the things that are going on right now. And it's important to to make sure that your investment portfolio does not just include stocks and bonds, but includes many things that don't always react the same way. And then be tactical about how you're doing that, meaning there are certain times that it's better to be in one versus the other, at least in weightings, meaning sometimes it makes more sense to have a lot. Sometimes it makes sense to have a little bit less, but you always have to be invested in something or you're just sitting idle in cash and watching inflation erode during times like these.
1: You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule a meeting with Josh to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, his number is six one four three six four seven three zero zero. That's six one four three six four seventy three hundred. Josh, what are some ways that your clients have cut costs in the in their existing investments or in daily life to um, deal with rising prices? You know
2: I think this goes perfectly with what we were just chatting about in the previous segment. That is, there's always ways that you can improve and. You know, One is, uh, when it comes to savings or it comes to paying off debt, when it comes to, to really as much of your life as you can possibly do this to, you should automate. Automate is a way to take the emotional factor out of it. So when it comes to your savings, just automatically go to your 401k and say, I'm going to save X percentage per, per pay, the end, conversation over. Uh, make sure that you're at least doing that up to the match in your 401k, of course. But you can do the same thing with a lot of your bills. So I know that you know, not all of us make enough income to automatically pay off our credit card every month, for example. Um, but I would argue that why is your credit card not able to be paid off every month? Because that's kind of the purpose of the credit card is it makes things easy. I get to pay for them really quickly. I get points, hopefully. And then at the end of the month, I just pay off the balance. So try and automate that credit card payment. Um, and then, you know, this is an, another thing that you can do with that automation, which is really a beautiful thing when it comes to retirement, is let's say I at I've never saved anything before, I started uh, 3% my 401k because they do a 3% match. Well, then I get a bonus or I get a raise. And let's say my raise is a 2% raise. Well, great, you're making more money. Good for you. You should you should feel that. It should be a good thing. Raise your 401k contribution by 1%. You still got a 1% raise. You still feel that. It's still definitely an increase to your paycheck but automatically raise your savings by 1% now if you think about it in my example you just started saving you know 25% more than you were previously so just try and automate as much as you can Um, the other thing you know as far as cost cutting goes obviously you know there's a lot of things that you can do Uh, bundling insurance you know checking all of your bills and make sure you're not overpaying for example you know your cable bill if you're like me I have three kids You know, my Wi-Fi bill is not cheap because all of my boys are, you know, on video games and all the stuff that every kid in America is on. Right. But you can look around and get deals. Uh, You can find out am I, you know, do I really need as high a speed as I'm getting or can I get a higher speed for the same value or at least take some time to investigate it? Uh, You know, do you have a credit card with an annual fee and what are you getting out of that? Now, if it's beneficial, great. But sometimes we we do things because it made sense at the time. But it doesn't make sense anymore um you know are you do you have a gym membership that you haven't used in a year but you're still paying on? do you have uh you, you know a home phone that you don't even know why you have a home phone? you've just had a home phone forever because it hangs on the wall, but nobody uses it because everybody's cell based now I mean you can really start to change things, but things in my world that I might be able to point you to is think about insurance so oftentimes. We have life insurance policies that maybe we've had since we were, you know, for a really long time. Maybe we need them, maybe we don't. But we should at least investigate, do we need them? And if we do need them, is there a way that we might be able to redo those life insurance policies to save premiums? Same thing with your auto insurance. You know, I've never had a claim on my auto insurance, and I have a $250 deductible. Well, what would I save per month? or per year, if I just raise my deductible to 500 or maybe even 1,000, do I have the financial wherewithal to cover that deductible, and how much money will I be saving moving forward? In other words, just take inventory, decide what you need, figure out ways to improve what you have, and then make sure you automate as much as you possibly can, and then when things get better, continue to tick up your savings, and it will be a needle mover. It will make a big difference over the long run.
1: To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's phone number is 614 364 7300. That's 614 364 7300. So, what are, what's like the biggest thing that you see people, your clients, wasting money on that they can start tomorrow?
2: Uh, I think it's a death of a thousand cuts. I, I wish I could tell you there's one big thing, but oftentimes it's a lot of little things. You know, it would be great if I could say that. You know all of my clients are still sitting with their mortgage payments at five percent interest, and all they have to do is contact their bank, drop their interest down to three or three and a half, and they'll be saving hundreds of dollars a month or maybe even you know depending on your mortgage more than that but it's it's typically not that easy Diane typically it's like I said a death of a thousand cuts so you have you know you're overpaying a little bit for your cable you're overpaying a little bit on you know maybe an auto loan, you're overpaying a little bit on your auto insurance you're overpaying a little bit on your life insurance and You know, you really need to kind of go through some of that with a fine-tooth comb. Now, oftentimes, it's not as hard as you really think. I mean, we're talking about probably a a sit-down and spending an hour of your time to save hundreds of dollars a month. I think that's time well served. It just takes the motivation and the discipline to actually go do it. And I know... Uh, If you're like me or you're like most people, you're sitting and listening and going, no, it's not that easy. But if we really do a heart to heart with ourselves, we know it is. It's just not fun and it's not something we want to do. But think about what a difference. Two hundred dollars a month back in your pocket or let's say save a hundred, spend a hundred could do for your long term success. It's worth your time. Go ahead and get it done.
1: 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. More with Josh Pick when we come back.
0: We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300.
1: This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, the past few years have been strange. We've dealt with COVID, now the Ukraine and Russia. We've seen a lot of people leave their jobs relatively abruptly. So if listeners are thinking about doing that, what should they think about when it comes to keeping their retirement plan on track?
2: Well, obviously, I encourage people to, if they can improve their situation by moving to a new job that's less stressful or maybe more fulfilling, Uh, more money, maybe it allows them to work from home rather than going into a workplace, better work-life balance, all these great reasons, obviously do that. But before you do that, I think that's oftentimes all we look at is just those things. What's my salary and is it better for me? There are other pieces of the puzzle that go along with that. For example, retirement planning, right? 401k plan, your retirement plan, whatever is available through your employer. Um, If your employer has a 401k plan, maybe it has a match. Where you're going, does that have a match? But even beyond that, where you're leaving, did it have a match? And did that match have a vesting schedule? So, for example, let's say I work for an employer that's got a very lucrative retirement plan. They have a 401k and they match dollar for dollar up to 10%, which would be fantastic, right? This would be a very rare scenario. But um, I've been putting in 10% for the last three years and uh, they've been putting in 10% and now my balance in my 401k is $200,000, but half of it they've put in and half of what I've put in. And it has a vesting schedule that says, until I've been there for five years, I don't get to keep any of it. Well then, yeah, you're getting maybe an extra 10 or $20,000 salary, but you're walking away from a hundred thousand dollars in your retirement plan. And where you're going let's say only has, let's say you're making $100,000 a year. Well, you're putting in 10, they're putting in 10. That means you're getting an extra. You're actually making 110 because of the match in your 401k. Are you making that much more where you're going? So it's important to kind of add in how much their retirement plan means as well. And you can think about this with everything else. You know, Do they have an HSA plan? Do they match on the HSA plan, which is a health savings account, which is literally your money? So are they giving you money towards your H- HSA? Because that's part of your income, if you think about it that way. Um, do they have a profit-sharing plan that you're able to participate in um, that is not where you're going? What are the other benefits? What about cost of insurance? You know, Maybe your health insurance is really, really cheap where you are. Or maybe it's really expensive where you are. What is the differential between the two? And I think you know, really what I'm getting at is just note that while uh, you know, there's been a lot of movement in the job marketplace, And there's certainly been a lot of positive movement in the job marketplace. I'm hearing of people moving and getting, you know, very substantial increases because, you know, we're in an environment where, um, you know, people, uh, companies need people. Um, There's a lot of people retiring. Baby boomers are retiring. COVID threw a wrench in the gears. And now you have these opportunities that maybe you didn't have before. But we can't just look only at salary. We have to look beyond that and add it all up and do the old Ben Franklin on the you know left side of the page and right side of the page and see what makes sense for you.
1: I have this conversation with my friends all the time who want to start their own businesses, and I say, "Well, it sounds great like you have all the freedom in the world uh, to do that, but look at what you 're missing out on it 's not just the salary that you 're getting from your employer, the matching four hundred one k the pensions if you can get that still and then when you go on vacation. You don't have to worry about your job. You can just check out. If you're self-employed, uh you're worrying about it constantly. <laughs> yeah,
2: self-employed I think is the biggest misconception amongst people. You know, self-employed you can look at it in two ways. One, you'll hear people say, "Well, you don't have a boss and you can do whatever you want to do." The other is you're literally unemployed every Monday morning. I mean, you got to you got to figure out what you're going to do, right? Um, you know, one of the, the big things that all of, you know, I'm obviously self-employed, although I run a, I own a company and run a company with, with employees. One that all of my entrepreneurial clients and myself will joke about is how many times you go out to dinner and somebody goes, well, you can, you know, why don't you pick up the tab? Cause you can write it off. Like somehow that means it's free just because I can write it off. Doesn't mean I don't have to pay for it. It just means I don't have to pay 50% of the taxes on it. So yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of misconceptions Uh, Being self-employed, you have to pay both sides of Social Security. There's a lot of challenges there, and I'm not discouraging anybody to not go start their own business. I I can't fathom my life any other way, but it all goes back to that same comparison, left side of the page, right side of the page. What am I gaining? What am I losing? What makes sense?
1: I'm self-employed, and I would give anything to have a job to go to. <laughs> Self employed real estate is pretty tough right now. Okay. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614 364 7300. That is 614 364 7300. So you mentioned this a little bit. Retirees actually have the opportunity to get back into the workforce just for the simple reason that employers are struggling to fill positions. What are your thoughts about this and things to consider before doing that? If someone's in retirement and going to come out of retirement to work?
2: Yeah, I love the juxtaposition of those two questions because, you know, we just got done talking about how you, you know, you got to compare left to right. and doesn't make sense. And it sounds kind of arduous and it sounds bad, right? And it's not bad. This movement in the market has created so many opportunities for people um, and particularly new opportunities as you look into, you know, the retiree market. You know, in the past, one of the biggest restrictions for people retiring was I don't quite have enough money to retire, but I just don't want to work in my existing job. I don't like the commute. I don't like full time, whatever, whatever the argument is. Well, here we are. Employers are pretty desperate for workers in this post lockdown economy. You know, wages are being raised. Benefits are more generous. And still even adding all those things, finding workers is pretty difficult. Is all of my entrepreneurial clients come in, if I ask them without fail, I say, what's your biggest challenge right now? It's finding good people. So what has that eliminated? Well, for my clients that were very near or wanted to retire, you know, that concept of age discrimination or ageism or whatever the new buzzword is for today was very real. Employers didn't want to hire people who were, you know, 62 years old and saying, you know, I'll give you two or three good years and then I'm out. Because, you know, we'd have to train you up or do whatever and they, they we're going to have to pay you a lot of money and we can get somebody younger that'll be here longer, that, you know, the training will last longer on them. Not today. Employers are much more willing to dive down that rabbit hole. Now, technically, you know, that that concept of age discrimination is illegal, but we all know that it was very embedded in the marketplace, right? That I'm seeing those reins being pulled off and, and many clients of mine getting work-from-home, part-time jobs that are very lucrative because they've been in the industry for so long and they have a lot to offer to employers. Employers are okay with two or three years. They just need somebody to fill a void immediately because they have tons of business coming in with no one to handle it. Um, so I think that's you know, a tremendous opportunity. And the other one is, I just said it, you know, working from home, that has opened up so many opportunities for retirement because where is home? So you have, you know, I have a client that says, I love my job. Um, you know, quite frankly, at this point, I would consider myself an expert in my job. I just hate the lack of flexibility. I hate that I can't travel. I hate that I have to go into an office. I would love to be able to buy a place in Florida and split my winters in Florida and my summers in Ohio, but I can't do that yet because I have to go to the office. Well, in most cases, not anymore. Now, clearly there's some jobs where you can't be a nurse remotely uh, and help patients, but for a lot of occupations, people are now able to travel. I have clients traveling literally in some cases the world and just waking up and doing their nine to five from wherever they are and then enjoying where they are the rest of the time. So, you know, all of this movement and struggle in the job market has created some tremendous opportunities for people that are in or nearing retirement.
1: Where did all the employees go? That's so bizarre.
2: You know, that is the, it's kind of the million dollar question. I can tell you my best guess uh, through looking at the stats. Um, There are many people. Remember, we have the baby boomer boomer generation now retiring, which has added more retirees into the, uh, you know, or taken more uh, people out of the labor force than normal. On top of that, we had COVID. So, you know, I can think of literally at least a dozen clients off the top of my head who have decided to retire early because of COVID restrictions. Now that could be a myriad of things. It could be, you know, my employer is going to require I get a vaccination and I don't want to do it. And uh, I was planning on retiring in a year, but I'm going to do it now. Um, or, um, you know, my employer wants me to go back to the office. I am vaccinated, um, but I'm not comfortable doing that yet. So I'm going to, if they're not going to let me work from home, I'm going to retire. Same reason. I was planning on retiring in a couple of years. I have the money to do so. I'm out. And, Clearly, the market over the last 12 years had a lot of impact on that, right? Um, And people started living a lot less expensive, so they were able to retire a lot sooner. You know, if you think about it, if you're not driving to work, you're not buying business clothes, um, you're pretty much locked down at home, you're not going out to eat as much. Some people, uh, justifiably, some people, maybe false sense of confidence, decided that they could afford to retire a little sooner. So I think we lost a lot of work force from the labor market just simply to retirement. And and all these positions need filled because if you think of it during the same time period, the economy was growing because of all the stimulus money
1: that was being spent. What about the small jobs? So in in customer service, in fast food restaurants, where are those youngsters?
2: You know, I wish I had a good answer. I don't know if maybe the economy is so good that a lot of those youngsters aren't going and getting jobs, Uh, but I am certainly, you know, just hypothesizing. I don't have the slightest idea, but as I drive to work every morning, you know, I see job postings for you know, 13 to $17 an hour uh, at a fast food restaurant. Uh, part-time, basically, you name your own hours. And in many cases, it says, you know, plus a $250 signing bonus. And it seems like they can't get bodies to fill the seats. So I really don't know what the answer is, but it's, it's a struggle for sure.
1: And it's like you can't even, you know, not that I'm a Karen or anything, but you can't even, you don't even bother complaining about the level of customer service because it's just, it's just terrible. There's no use even, I mean, it just seems like nobody cares.
2: And it seems systemic. It's not just at restaurants. It's everywhere. I mean, if we're, if we're dealing with institutions. So you know, we, we clear business through TD Ameritrade, which I'm sure I've mentioned before. Um, we work with different insurance companies, et cetera. It's almost the standard line is, I know you guys are dealing with you know, COVID and not being fully staffed, but it's systemic. It's across the board, but it's really an employee's market right now and that's why i said you know it's it's not all bad there's there's great opportunities right now and and i think that uh, you should be investigating them because now might be a tremendous time to to make some changes
1: to schedule an appointment to go through the aptus blueprint process josh's phone number is 614-364-7300 that is 614-364-7300 Besides this show, you can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 12.30 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find the recording at aptuswealth.com, which is Josh's website. And we'll have more with Josh Bick when we come back.
3: 7300 or visit aptiswealth.com thanks for listening to
0: the aptis retirement blueprint radio show with josh pick to schedule your complimentary customized planning session give josh a call at 614-364-7300 that's 614-364-7300
1: welcome back to the aptis retirement blueprint show with josh pick to schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk Give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, so I'm thinking about converting my IRA to a Roth IRA. What do I need to know or to think about?
2: Uh, Well, remember a Roth IRA, converting a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA is taking pre-tax money. So an IRA was money that you put away before you paid taxes on it. It grows tax deferred, so that's a huge benefit. But the detriment is when you actually want the money, all of the money you pull out of a traditional IRA goes into your taxable income. And I say that specifically because depending upon what outside income you have, that could be a really bad tax scenario. It could be not bad at all. But then in in a Roth IRA, you put money in after tax, it grows tax deferred, but every dollar you pull out of it's tax free. So clearly you want a traditional IRA while you're working, and then you want a Roth IRA when you actually need the money. And the idea of a conversion is how do I take that traditional IRA and make it a Roth? And, you know, on the surface, the challenges are are very present on the obvious ones, meaning, well, in order to do a conversion, I have to pay taxes on the amount of money that I convert. So let's say I have a million dollar IRA and I want to convert a hundred thousand dollars. Well, a hundred thousand dollars goes into my taxable income this year It now becomes a Roth. And as long as I don't pull money out of that for five years, every gain from this point forward forever, ever, is completely tax-free. That 100000 that's in the Roth, if it grows to a million, that 900000 plus the hundred I put in are completely and utterly tax-free. So there's huge benefits there. But again, you have to pay the taxes on the conversion. So it's always kind of a, a tussling act of how much should I do? And the very clear answer, you know, the very clear problem is I want to make sure I stay in a certain tax bracket. I certainly don't want to do money and convert at a 32% tax bracket when in retirement, there's no way I'll ever be anywhere above maybe, you know, the 22% bracket. And even if the 22 becomes the 25 or the 28, if taxes go up, it's still not 32. So does that make sense? Um, But there are other challenges that are kind of beneath the surface that you have to take a look at, you know, kind of gotchas. And one is Medicare premiums. So Medicare, Uh, which is what we all go on unless our employer carries us with an an ancillary plan for us. But all of us go on, to some degree, Medicare Part A and Part B. And that is the uh, governmental program for health insurance. And what we pay for that every month is based upon what our income is. So that cost can be from around, let's call it $150 a month, up to almost $500 a month. And that premium that we pay every month is based upon how much money we make. So we could end up triggering a scenario where we do a Roth conversion, throw this additional income into our pile, and it makes our Medicare premiums go way up. So we have to be cautious about how much we do there. Um, The other thing that, you know, let's, that's a negative. So let's think about a positive. You know, right now we're in the market and the market is down, right? The market's down double digits year to date, volatility is very high compared to what we've been used to. Well, market volatility can actually cause great opportunities to do Roth conversions because you can take money that is down that you don't plan on selling the stocks on. Let's say you had, you know, a hundred thousand dollars invested in Coca-Cola stock and it's in a traditional IRA and you go, I don't want to sell Coca-Cola stock, but it was worth a hundred. Now it's only worth 90. I'm going to convert that into a Roth, and now I'm actually converting what used to be 100 but only paying taxes on 90 because of this retraction. So there's a lot of things to look at, not only just taxes, but how is it going to affect my Medicare, and then when should I do it. And when you should do it typically is um, either in a year where you have lower income than normal, in a year where the stock market is pulled back, so think about what's going on right now, In a year where tax rates are lower than normal which is what has been occurring since really the tax changes of the trump administration taxes are far lower than they had been in the previous 20 years so we're gonna have to keep our eyes on that with you know any tax changes that come forward but that would be a good time and then times where you know that you're far enough away from the medicare nugget that you know it's not going to affect your medicare so you know, there's a lot of moving parts in this, Diane, that you have to take a look at because Roth IRAs can be such a useful, that conversion can be such a useful tool in the long run, but can also throw a, quite a significant wrench in the gears if you don't structure it appropriately. So, you know, something that we look at through our blueprint process, something we do with every client, we want to make sure that we're taking advantage of as much as we can, but not to the detriment of the overall picture.
1: Just out of curiosity, what are the Medicare levels? Like if you make $5,000 more a year, it'll jump up or 10,000, like what's the...
2: No, there's bigger jumps. But so for example, let's say, and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I'll be real close on this. So approximately $170,000 of joint family income. So if you're a married couple and you have $170,000 of adjusted gross income, then you're in the lowest level. And then it jumps up from there. It's probably, you know, $250, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there are some gotchas even within that. So, for example, um, you know, I've, I've had clients come in that do their taxes elsewhere, and they're not coordinating with, with us and, uh, you know, new clients. And they say, you know, my, my accountant told me this great idea. He told us we could file separately. And by doing that, we're going to save $300 in taxes this year, and it only cost me an extra 50 bucks in preparation. So it was a great deal. The unfortunate part though is in that same scenario if you have 170 joint income you're good but if you file separately and you jump over 85,000 of income which you know if you file separately typically you stack one person with most of the income and peel most of it away from the other so in my scenario you probably will one of you will jump over 85 That person at 85 jumps the line. There are five levels of Medicare premiums, jumps the line, skips, you know, like Monopoly, right? Passes, do not pass, go go directly to jail. Jumps the line to the highest tier, which is about $300 a month more. So your accountant just told you to do this because you saved $300, but it's going to cost you $3,600 in Medicare premiums to do that. So you have to, this is so important, and I know we emphasize this a lot on this uh, on this show, but coordinating between your accountant, your investment advisor, and your attorney is critical. And it's something that we emphasize and we do all the time.
1: Josh's number is 614-364-7300, 614 364 Zero, zero. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, we've touched on the past about financial, the financial benefit of delaying Social Security. Do you find there are people who claim early because they are scared that their benefits are going to go away altogether?
2: Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, particularly in light of you know, what we're seeing going on today. And, and let's just be honest about it. Social Security is going to be insolvent. It's going to be insolvent somewhere after, at some point after 2030. If you go to, if you don't believe me, go to Social Security's website and look it up. They'll tell you that at some point, uh, right around 2032, 2034, I can't remember what they put on their site, Social Security will become insolvent. And in order to conquer that, they'll actually say on the website, these are the proposals that we would like to take a look at. And there's been some tussling going on in Washington about how do we solve the problem? Obviously, it's a hugely political issue. But what do we mean by being insolvent? We mean that uh, Social Security is funded in two ways, people paying in, that money going out to the people collecting, and then there's a shortfall because there's not enough people paying for the amount, of people that, the amount of money that's being collected. So we have a trust fund of sorts. That trust fund has been funded over many, many decades during times when we were paying in more than when, what people were collecting. That trust fund is going to run out sometime around 2032, 2034, assuming we don't take money out of it to fund other programs in the meantime, which we do all the time. We did in 2015. So people are very concerned that their benefits are going to go away. I would argue that they're not going to go away. Even if you look at, let's use Russia as an example. I think we could all agree that Russia is not in the most financial stable position, and they certainly don't treat their citizens nearly as well as people in the United States, they still have a Social Security-esque program that has not been completely and utterly defunded, and people are still collecting that check. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's going to go away. It would be political suicide for it to go away. But it's certainly shaky, and it's certainly undecided what is going to happen. Um, are, are benefits going to be diminished? Is money going to be printed to accommodate for it? Um, which, and that's a whole nother, you know, kind of bucket of worms, because some things need to be changed for money to be printed for it. But I think we can all agree that it will continue to be funded. I think, you know, the things that you really need to take into account, though, is how am I going to incorporate Social Security into my overall picture? Meaning, how is it going to change the tax liability on the rest of my assets? How can I incorporate, we just got done talking about Roth conversions. How can I incorporate Roth conversions in with my Social Security? Is there a break-even point on waiting to collect versus collecting early, and does that make a difference in my overall picture? Meaning that you know you can collect at 62 or you can collect at 70, and there is a significant difference, call it about 80% difference, between whether you collect at age 62 or at age 70. Meaning if you collect at age 62 and your amount was going to be $2,000 a month, it will be about 80% more. So think of $3,600 a month if you wait until you're 70. But you, left a, you you didn't get income from Social Security, in that example, for eight years. So you used money from somewhere else if you retired at 62 to get there. So you can look at it in two ways. One, how many years does it take for me to get my money back for the eight years that I didn't collect? And that break-even points in your early 80s, by the way. And also, I'm giving up the future returns on the money that I used to do that. So how do I do all this calculation to see what makes the most sense for me, assuming that I just want to bank on Social Security not changing? And the answer is we couldn't do any of this stuff without computers, quite frankly. We have the ability to do what we call stress test plans. And I think this is incredibly critical, is we all have to make assumptions when we do financial planning. Whether you work with Aptis or you work with any other company, there's assumptions that are made. And that's universal. As long as someone has good financial planning software, they're making assumptions. And those assumptions, of course, should be based upon historical fact, should be based upon risk and Monte Carlo analysis and all this nerdy stuff. But then what you need to do beyond that is not in a wind tunnel and not in a perfect scenario, can I retire comfortably? But what if some of these things change? We need to stress test some of that. What if taxes go up? What if interest rates go up? What if the market dramatically retracts and holds retracted for a period of a number of years? What if my social security is in fact diminished? So for example, if that trust fund runs out and we don't do anything, everybody's social security benefits would go down by about 22%. So let's stress test that and say, well, what if that happens? Can I still retire? What if we're wrong? What if we collect at 62? What if we collect at 70? You need to use all of these variables to develop what I would say is as close as one can get to an ironclad plan that is all weather, and we'll never run out of gas. And that's what we do in our office every day. Not only design plans, not only explain risk, not only figure out how to maximize things like Roth IRA conversions and your social security, and making sure that you get an education lesson so you understand everything that we're doing and the logic behind it, because understanding it provides a tremendous amount of comfort. But beyond that, stress test it. All the what ifs that you have in your head, we can put on paper and make sure that you are comfortable that you are protected against the what ifs.
1: Josh's number is 614 364 7300. That's 614 364 7300. That's it for today. Remember to catch Josh with Bruce Hooley Monday at 12 30 p.m. right here on 989 The Answer. Have a great week, everybody.
0: You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Or online at AptusWealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S Wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.